Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE as we get ready for Crown Jewel going down this Saturday on Peacock. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Ron Wagner, and a guy I got a call by three different nicknames this week. So I present to you Perky, Tipsy, salty and for one week only because of his Lakers not winning a single game as of this recording recording I bring to you winless Scott Young welcome back all of your nicknames that are more than the Wyatt Six apparently first of all (laughs) first of all okay I came on to this money in a great mood you know I was feeling good just came from a wedding, you know, got my dance on, got my drink on, just in a nice groove. My my my, my technology not working. Ray Mysterio done booyakut everything. And now I got to come on here and hear my leader, my captain, oh, captain, leading me astray down a dead end with wolves waiting for me. Keela, it is not a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things <laughs> WWE with you this week. But I'm going to do it anyway because I got a job to do for the people. And we, you know, we have somebody else on and, and I don't want to let him down either. You don't let your elders down. Definitely not your oh. grandpas, you know? Oh, so shots for everybody. And that's from last time you was on, but you're still my guy. But uh, yeah, I'm here. I couldn't resist because it was so easy. I mean, it's out there. I mean, maybe by the time they play their next game, they're one in five, but. I couldn't let that hang this week, Scott. I couldn't resist. It was right there for the taking. But as you mentioned, we got our a special guest host with us today, a special guest co-host, an OG of the Fike Media family, Grandpa Ass himself, the OG sexy grandpa and noted Ring of Honor historian himself. I bring to you back on the rap, Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Paul. It's great to be back. I I didn't I didn't realize that uh, the Lakers were Scott's team. He's from Virginia, right? Yes, he can claim yeah, no teams Virginia. in the Northeast. How the how the Hokies doing this year, buddy? <laughs> Let me tell you something. The only Hokie I ever heard of was uh was freaking what's I can't even think of that guy's name. See, don't even know no Hokies, so I have no idea. But I can oh. tell you this: LeBron's zero five. Yeah, yeah, no, I all I hear about up here, I, I got I got bagged on a little bit because I didn't know about the Draymond fight, but all I hear uh, is how bad the Lakers are and how badly they want to get rid of uh, Westbrook. That's literally all we hear about the Western Conference, and then it's just Raptors, 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 Raptors. Like so, um, but uh, yeah, it, it sucks about the Lakers, and hopefully LeBron can get out of there after after this year, but. Um, and and go somewhere where his talents will be appreciated, like South Beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yo, you try to be funny, bro. Because you know the weird thing is, I always got love for Toronto because they beat the Warriors, and anybody who beats the Warriors is good yeah. in my book. So I always yeah, got love yeah. for Toronto, love Siakam. But uh, yeah, let's you know we ain't got to take we why are we taking shots? What's what's going on? Why are we taking shots at the King? Why we- we'll take him. We'll we'll take LeBron. <laughs> In, in Toronto. First of all, it's not Bronny ain't trying to, Bronny ain't trying to go to Toronto, and Bron ain't trying to go to Toronto either. Well, they could take both of them. <laughs> Anyways, no, we're we're saving space for uh, for JD once he uh, once he gets sick and tired of being in Brooklyn. <laughs> got, got a spot on the bench for warm warm form. 
It's it's <laughs> bad when you have to leave the United States to find peace. Yeah. It worked for Kawhi Leonard for a season. Hey. Got a ring out of it. Hey. Damn straight, but by beating, a ring. by beating my Warriors. Did you? By the way, uh, you need to go back and listen. I think you. I think you called. Uh, I think you. You called uh, um, Scott's uh, protege Ron Wagner. I could be wrong, but Juan Wagner, Ron, or maybe Juan. You know what? Like, In any uh, case, you know, I ga- I gave it the German just traditional to take it back name. To WWE. You know, I couldn't resist yeah. Juan Wagner, Von Wagner, Von Trapp. Either of those <laughs> names work for him. <laughs> As long <laughs> as he doesn't have the cornrows, we're good. If I yeah, never see yeah, that yeah. again. So I can call him whatever. One long forehead. Oh, my goodness. Lurch in the building. But, you know, he's growing on us. Couldn't say that a year ago. But we got to talk about the lead story. And I flipped it and reversed it like Missy Elliott because it's what I do on this show. Because we have to acknowledge something on SmackDown from Friday night, which was Sports entertainment at its best. It was a segment that I think everyone laughed at. I cried from laughing at various points because Sami Zayn has broken the bloodline officially. Let's start from the beginning. So there was a match between the Brawling Brutes. We had Butch and Rich Holland versus Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn. Very good tag team match. Jay got involved trying to save Sami, who was playing possum against Butch, and they got into it a bit. Solo tries to be the referee. They get knocked down by Rich Holland, and Butch rolls up Sami Zayn for the win. After the match is over, we got Jimmy and Jay, the brothers, the bloodline members with the undisputed tag team titles fighting amongst themselves. And then Roman Reigns' music hits. Michael Cole says, daddy's home and the kids are in trouble. And we go to commercial break. We come back. Roman says, St. Louis, acknowledge me. And he tells the children, Sammy and Jay, to get their shit together. Let's settle it in this ring right now. We don't handle things in the back. We handle it out of here in public. And Sammy wants to know, listen, I like Jay. I want us to get along. I'm all about peace here. So Jay, please tell me what is your issue with me and we can work it out. And Jay goes off, say, I don't like your face. I don't like your hair. I don't like your t-shirt. I don't like you. You're not family. You're a fake ass ooze. Nobody likes you, Sammy. You suck. We don't want you here. We're blood. You're not. And Sammy's like, listen, Jay, it's all good, man. Uh, the, the, The tribal chief wants peace. And when Jay says, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief wants, <laughs> Roman's face, he like he was in a zen like trance, like I'm gonna let them work it out. I'm real cool right now in my own world. When he heard that his eyes popped open, he had the eyes of like, I'm gonna kill Jay. But Jay was hyped up. He was like, turn around, do something about it. But then when Roman turned around, he's realized, you know what? I walk back everything I just said. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Sammy's like, he didn't mean it, Roman. He he was caught up in the heat of the moment. He he felt he feels bad about it. He apologizes. Jay says, Yeah, I didn't mean it. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and then <laughs> Sammy says that Jay's not acting very oozy right now. And Roman broke. I don't know if he didn't expect the line or what, but he broke character and Jay was gone after that. He was trying so hard not to laugh. And when Sammy says it happens to the best of us, he was done. 
So he turned away from Roman. He tried not to look at Sammy. The crowd is into this because they realize this segment has gone off the rails in the best possible way. Jimmy Uso is just gone. Paul Heyman has lost it. Solo is the luckiest person because the camera did not pan to him. I presume he broke as well. And then Roman had to fight to say Usi with a straight face. He could not. And Jay is struggling. He is trying to hold every part of himself on the inside to not laugh. And then Roman says, well, listen, if you don't work this out, then he's just not going to be an honorary Oose. He's going to be Oose, period. And if you keep messing around, Sammy's not going to be like an honorary Oose no longer, but an Oose. And we're going to change his name to Sammy Uso. And Jay, who's supposed to be offended by this name change, laughs even more. (laughs) It is comedy gold. The look on Sammy's face through all of this is just perfection. He realized, I got him. This segment is completely shit now in the best possible way. We've all cracked. Paul Heyman just takes us to commercial break. He just sells a little bit of Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns, the crown jewel for the Universal Championship. He says, roll the tape. We're going to break. This is it. This was absolutely amazing. I cried from laughing so hard because Sami Zayn is the best. And Roman Reigns is supposed to be the strong one, the tribal chief, the head of the table, the guy that shall not break. And he is the weakest link because he breaks every time (laughs) Sammy looks at him. He says something. Roman's gone. Jay for weeks was strong, trying to maintain that mean mugging, pissed off, hot headed Jay Uso character. Not this week. He lost it. And I loved it. The guy was holding back tears because he tried not to laugh. But eventually he broke. And then we get a segment on the SmackDown lowdown. And they're all sitting backstage with Megan Morant. And Sammy proposes that we go to Waffle House for our after show dinner and Jay lights up. I like that idea. And then he brings up hash brown solo breaks again. Jay can't keep a straight face. Jimmy never can maintain a straight face saying my dog in the background. All of this is just perfection. And I'm going to go on the record and saying once again, outside of MJF's baby face journey on AEW Dynamite, the bloodline storyline involving Sammy, Jimmy, Jay, Solo, Roman, and Paul is the best damn thing going in professional wrestling today. It is so funny. So many layers, so many twists and turns. You don't know who's going to turn on who. And Jay having the nerve to provoke the tribal chief almost felt good about it before walking it back is something to look out for in the weeks to come. So Scott, what are your thoughts on this amazing slice of television produced by WWE this past Friday on SmackDown? I think for me, the the best part about all this was how the improvisation came into play so much. Like once, once he broke with the Usi thing, you know, and everybody starts chanting Usi, Usi, and Roman done broke. Roman started, I mean, that's the rest of that whole segment is just them just trying to get back on track because the whole point was to get to, we're going to get rid of the honorary Usi if you don't do it, we're going to change his name and all that. But even all that was just him being like, yo, let's just, I mean, at this point, we just running with it. So I, I, I love that aspect because you got to see them just had, I mean, this is probably what it looks like when they just in the back chopping it up. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's the realest and the most earnest thing you can do for Sami Zayn for whenever they decide to whoop that ass. Because when that comes, mm-hmm. this segment right here is going to mean so much more 
And it's going to hurt so much more because of this segment, because of the fun you see that Sami Zayn brings to everyone, the joy that he brings to just the entire group. Um, I want to I want to read something real quick. I saw from an interview that Solo Sokoa gave about Sami Zayn. He was asking, he, uh, they asked him, you know, what are some of the, the some of the people that you kind of look up to and, and you learn from? And he says, Sami Zayn is the ultimate student of the game. He's a team player. He's like the Kobe Bryant of wrestling. He's family now. He's in the bloodline, but really getting to know him as a person, he's chill. He's always there to help, and it's pretty cool. He's a natural. I enjoy working with him be- because of what he brings and my what he brings to the family. Sammy brings a whole other light around when around us when he's with us. He's just so funny. And and you just see that that natural charm and humor come out. And it I mean, he like you said, Jay doesn't break. Roman doesn't. And when Roman does break, he's able to play it off in character. But not this time. Like, it, I, I just think that this segment is going to mean so much when they turn on Sammy. And they just destroy him because it's going to hurt so much more after watching this. This was this was beautiful TV. It was brilliant television and off the cuff. And it was so Saturday Night Live and that everybody corpses. Yeah, it's amazing TV to watch. And I like how Roman realized Jay was gone. He says, no, look at the hard camera. I want you to join me and just not taking any of this seriously because I'm gone. So are you. And the glances they shared and just Jay turning back to Sammy and not being able to control it was just awesome to watch. And I got to say that when Sammy started talking about peace and love and the crowd claps, if that's not the moral of the story at the end of every episode of Full House, like, oh, that's so sweet. We try to get along. It's all about love and family and respect. Such sitcom stuff. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on this amazing segment between the bloodline and Sammy Zayn that just popped me to no end? Uh, well, so like you, I I literally was crying with laughter at at points of this when when Jay said, you know, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief has to say. I went like, oh, like I literally said that, like as I'm watching, as as did you know, however many people were in the crowd in St. Louis, um, and uh, there there was a couple things that um, when Jay when uh, Roman after he broke from the from the Usi line he used Usi on Jay like he said you got to start feeling and he paused and they looked at him and they looked at Sammy and he said Usi and Jay lost it again and and Roman actually delivered the line somewhat straight um because he knew he was going to break him and uh and then when he said uh we're we're just we're not even going to we're going to name him Sammy Uso the look on Sammy's face was like, like, you know, like a kid at Christmas, you know, that just opened a present from Santa Claus. Like he was so happy and you can't fake that. Oh, the, the other thing was, I forgot to mention when the crowd, when he, when Jay gave his line about, uh, you know, I don't care what the tribal chief said, the crowd, it was funny because the crowd, like they were trying to figure out what to chant and you could, you could kind of hear a, you fucked up chant, but they like it's WWE and they know they're not supposed to swear, (laughs) but they were doing it anyways. It was just so good. And you mentioned Saturday night live and I'm a big Saturday night live fan. I have been like 
I've watched Saturday Night Live almost my whole life. You know, like I'm I'm almost as old as the show, or I'm older than the show, but I should say the show is almost as old as me. And um, what it reminded me of was um, the famous skit Cowbells, mm-hmm. and uh, when and 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 basically Sammy is Will Ferrell. And uh, Jimmy Uso is Jimmy Fallon. Like Jimmy Fallon would break in every skit he was ever in with Will Ferrell. And, and he, but he was never an important part of it. Like he was just in the background, but he was always just laughing. And like, he, I think they just put him in these skits because they knew they were going to break him. Like he was, didn't even have any reason to be there. I'm not saying that about Jimmy, but kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was not really critical to this. And then the key that none of us have mentioned yet, was there was some actual development of the storyline in this segment in that Sammy stood up for Jay. And I think that coming off of this, we may see the dynamic between Sammy and Jay change in that, you know, like he stood up for him after he screwed up and he basically put himself on the line to the tribal chief. So now maybe he's going to have loyalty from Sammy and this could go different ways. Like we've talked about it. You know, I laid out my three scenarios the last time I was on this show. And there, there's even a possibility where like Sammy could try to lead a revolt and become the head of the table, which would end very badly for him. But, <laughs> you know, like where if he's got Jimmy on his side and Solo on his side and now Jay on his side, you know, and maybe he thinks, hey, you know what? Maybe I could take over the bloodline. And that could be his downfall. Um, I do like, you know, again, I, where I hope it is, I hope they don't turn on him. I hope they go after Kevin Owens and Sammy leaves voluntarily to defend Kevin Owens. I think that would be a better scenario for Sammy Zayn coming out of this. I don't know that that's what they're going to do, but that's what I do. But, uh, yeah, this was just gold. And I don't know if it was better than the MJF Regal segment, uh, from, from the AEW last week, but I don't know if it wasn't because <laughs> it, it was great it's right up there in terms of pure entertainment value and i do like the fact that after two years of frustration jace says fuck roman reigns and he felt good about it for 30 seconds he was revved up he was ready to fight and then his cousin turned around and he realized you know what i picked the wrong fight i realized i made a mistake sammy's trying to bail me out of trouble i get it but in that moment, before to- before Roman turned around, he was hyped. He wasn't scared. He was like, come on, get it. And then he realized, you know what? He can't get it quite yet. So that's the storyline to look out for, too. Has Jay had enough of Roman Reigns? Perhaps, based on what he said, because he said it with his whole chest and did not regret it for good, for a very good 30 seconds. And now, after this slice of goodness from SmackDown, we got to go back to Monday Night Raw. We'll come back to SmackDown later. But I also want to acknowledge the greatness of Judgment Day and the blatant lies that Finn Balor and Damian Priest told me on Monday Night Raw about noted luchador legend Dominic Mysterio, who had one of the greatest matches in WWE history against AJ Styles. Dominic says himself that I am this generation's Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie from heaven said to himself, you know what? When we had that ladder match to fight for custody of your ass, 
I should have hit you during that match for real. How dare you say that when you can't even swivel your hips for my three amigos? How dare you speak blasphemy into existence? So all in all, I loved how they try to bluster and bolster Dominic's profile up as being this Jen's Eddie Guerrero. No chance in hell, which leads to Finn Balor versus Carl Anderson. Very good match, but it would be best remembered for what Rhea Ripley did to Lou Gallows. She scoop slammed his ass all three 100 pounds of him, one-handed, by the way, at first, with the greatest of ease, to quote Booker T. I loved it. Finn Balor wins. Thanks to Rhea Ripley, low-blowing Cole Anderson. And now we get the mystery of AJ Styles noting that we need some help. We got a Rhea problem because she keeps whooping our asses every single week. And my solution, my suggestion as to who they could recruit to join their crew, I will select, hopefully, the return of Piper Nevin, formerly known as Dewdrop, for the job, Paul. Hmm, that's a, that's an interesting one. I hadn't even thought of that. I was thinking Asuka, but I, I kind of like yours better. Um, yeah, that that match uh, was was very good. It was one of maybe my second favorite match of the week, maybe maybe third. Um, and uh, but the Dominic's every week. He's just he's. He's got so much heat and he knows it. He's getting great coaching. And one thing that you didn't mention, I don't think if you did, I missed it. He corrected himself. He said that I'm not this generation's uh, Eddie Guerrero. He said Eddie Guerrero was his generation's Dominic Mysterio. Um, and that, that was great. And if you notice, and I just did it there too, on purpose, he's, he's bringing out his Spanish accent as he's giving his promos because it's getting him more heat, um, because he's a Lucha legend, uh, Dominic Mysterio in, in, in the making. And, uh, it's, I just, it's just wonderful. And, uh, the way they all just play off each other and Finn, is in his glory right now as a heel getting legitimate heat damian priest is having so much fun rhea ripley is out of her mind and dominic is just soaking it in man and it's 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 beautiful to watch it's great tv and i'm proud of dominic because you know for the first couple of weeks he was laughing at the heat he was getting like no maintain a straight face play into it he's learning to do that now great coaching as you mentioned just lean in be an asshole they hate you for the right reasons which is rare in wwe these days because sometimes you get that go away heat that doesn't work they legitimately can't stand dominic and i love that for him he's embracing the heel heat in the best possible way and damian priest Gotta love him. And Finn Balor, prison Bay Finn. Finn Unet, we love Finn here. He's living his best life. The glory days of a hero run. Five years denied to him. He's doing it right now. And I'm digging the feud between the OC and the Judgment Day. It's very good TV for Monday Night Raw. This crew's come a long way from earlier this year when we kept workshop, we kept workshopping them every single week, but they're so much better now with the revised lineup of Finn leading this crew with Rhea Ripley being a standout as well. Scott? I still don't care about the Good Brothers. They're still the Good Brothers. <laughs> you know, they, still, they still are who they are. I, I don't care about them. I will say, at least we got Bright Lights Carl um, it seemed like, cause I thought the match was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I, I love the spot. I thought it was great. Uh, Rhea talking smack is fantastic. My issue is we've built Rhea up as just this monster who's laying out any and everyone, male or female, whoever's in her way. Um, you know, Ray Myster- from Ray Mysterio to 300 pound gallows. And now I'm, you know, now you're going to bring in a woman who, 
And what I what I'm expect if she's gonna take out Rhea, then that means hey, you need to be having her in the mix taking out everybody too. I need to see her tossing mm-hmm. some hosses around. Like I, that's that's the type of woman I'm expecting. So could it be a Piper? Yeah, Piper would be great. But then you know, is does she stick with the OC? Is this something that stays around? Does she just come from a one off? Because if it's a one off, man, I I think you got to go with somebody who Rhea's never beaten. You know, if you just need a one-off thing with somebody who Rhea's never beaten, and I, you know, I'm always ready to take some smoke. So I, I'm ready to I'm ready to stay on the hill by myself. I'm calling Charlotte Flair. I oh, I just thought of I that mean, just like, before you said it. I mean, if you if you if you're seriously thinking of somebody who would have Rhea's number, you gotta go with somebody that she's never beaten. And I know people don't like her, but Charlotte Flair is she is who she is. And her and AJ have history, so there's a connection there. They had the Mix Max Challenge. They're friends outside the ring. They're always doing pictures together on Instagram and stuff. I I think it would be a natural fit, especially if it's just a one-off, and she's going to get a nice reaction. Um, I, I think Charlotte Flair is a, a nice fit for a one-off, but I, I would not be upset if it was Piper, as long as she comes back as Piper. Agreed. And the Charlotte thing popped in my head as soon as you mentioned the one person Rhea has not beaten on the main roster. It makes sense. That is the one ghost that Rhea has not has not slayed in over two years. It makes complete sense. And their matches always snap every single time they bring the intensity out in each other. It's great TV. And that would be a nice surprise if it's a one off. But if I want Piper Nevin to be in that spot, she's got a hoss around Finn bitch out Dominic mm-hmm. work yep. Damien that work for me as well yeah she definitely got a hit she definitely got a splash Dominic from the top <laughs> I mean like she got to toss that boy around and get a nice reaction as soon as she come out like Dominic need to be the one to step up when she stepped the Rhea and she just need to toss that boy out the ring I would love to see it Charlotte kind of fits Charlotte kind of fits as like the baby face that people kind of really don't like with the good brothers too you're right though you're right you're absolutely right yeah but you know what if they were heel she would fit right in with that group yeah if they were heels like she would fit right in with the OC Mm -hmm. they could flip you never know I'd like the concept just like a female heater in there Going up against Rhea Ripley because they should save Beth and Rhea for down the road. Maybe Warrior Rumble WrestleMania if they're going to wait that long because that's where the money is whenever she heals up from the concerto that she's still selling right now from Extreme Rules. But good ideas as to who could join the OC to help with the Rhea problem, which is always a problem on Monday Night Raw. As we segue to The Miz. And um, I have tried recently to be gentle and kind. And I was going to let the Miz slide this week until I saw his match against R-Truth where he delivered quite possibly the worst Busaku knee I have ever seen in my life. It was terrible. It was egregious. I felt ashamed. I think somewhere in California, in Naples, somewhere wherever Brian Danson lives, he cried, realizing this man is still selling my shit after all of these years. Thankfully, our truth wrote him up for the win, but that was an embarrassing running knee, and I cannot let it go, Scott. I'm sorry. That flying knee sucked ass. Yeah, it was a bad match. Um, 
but I, Johnny Gargano was still worse. So um, as bad as the knee was, Johnny Gargano was still the worst character on Monday Night Raw. Um, and he continues that trend this week. So I'm going to ask you for the third week in a row. Has the miss moved nope. down? Damn it. Nope. Listen, man. You know, that's like asking if a aging, if an aging basketball player who just, you know, is losing a step or two is is falls out of your all-time top. You know, it's like asking did Allen Iverson fall out of my top five when he played for the Grizzlies. Of course not. Because he was still he's still the AI from the 76ers. And Miz is still that that great IC champion from like 2018. 2016 ish. Now, so you cl- you're clinging on to stuff that's not relevant anymore. It's not the guy anymore. He's not that guy from four years ago, six years ago. That man is dead. This Miz is a shell of himself. His work is diminished. He's in a shit it feud. Diminished. It's diminished. It's sad to watch the quality of his matches slip and slip and slip further away. It's been a rough stretch for you, guy. Can't hit somebody with a chair. Can't deliver a running knee. It's been bad, bad times for the Miz. Can't even put his wife in a cake properly either. Just bad times for your guy that you rock with, who is still, for some reason, in your top five, but you're biased that way. And I can respect how you hold on to something that you know is going to be fleeting at the end of the day. But Paul, your thoughts on the Miz's absolutely terrible running knee to our truth I'll be honest. Like I didn't really notice it. I was just appalled at the fact that I was watching Miz and R-Truth wrestle on Raw in 2022, like 12 years after they were the awesome truth uh, against uh, John Cena and, uh, and the rock. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, I noticed that our truth isn't in our notes at all. And I just, I got to use this opportunity to say like, I saw way too much our truth this week. Um, I watched main event as you know, I'm like the only person in the world that watches that show. And he's on there every week in like three segments. And then he was on raw for like 20 minutes. And then he was on NXT and I'm like, thank God. The best thing about SmackDown was that our truth wasn't on it. I mean, I don't mind our truth once in a while, but I don't need to see him for a half hour a week. So, um, for me, he was funny and, and the, the exchange with the Miz was, was okay. But if Miz is really injured, um, like they claimed, and that's why he didn't have the match with Dexter last week. Like just, let him stay home, give the man some time off and, you know, like let him go like the elite and just go away for a while. And maybe we'll appreciate him when he comes back or maybe he can just don't tell him where the show is and he won't show up <laughs> and, uh, and we can just get on with our lives. Cause he's bringing this show down. Sorry, Scott, but it's, it's a fact. It is what it is. Yeah. But you're right. Gargano was worse. <laughs> I can't, I can't deny that. And speaking of which, what the hell is going on with Johnny Gargano on the show? Now, listen, we all watched NXT, the last days of black and gold. And I like the way I like Johnny, Candace, Indy and Austin and Dexter together. That was fun comedy, light, inside humor. Love the vignettes produced by Jeremy Borash. What is this on Monday Night Raw, though? I don't know if Bruce Pritchard sees old footage from NXT. Oh, let's bring this Johnny. Let's sports entertain him up. I don't like any of this and the fact we're wasting johnny humor on the miz and dexter loomis 
I don't like any of this. He put on a fucking cowboy hat and he stood on the announce table taunting JBL for reasons to be an ass. And he still loses to Baron Corbin. What are we doing? And then he shrugs off the loss and he complains about the business not putting money in a get well card for Candice LeRae. Like, what are we doing with Johnny wrestling the last two weeks? I like him being funny and all, but the placement of this humor for him is so weird and it's bad. I know that people might not be familiar with his work from NXT. The main roster is a completely different animal, but This isn't it. This is not the way to endear himself to an audience that might not know his work from what he does five or six years ago when he was when he was at his peak in his prime as a wrestler. But this comedy shit, I'm not feeling it, Scott. I'm not feeling it at all. No, it's uh, this is this is exactly what people kind of had against Johnny saying he doesn't have a personality. Like this is, this is him trying to have a personality. This is what happens when someone tries to be funny. And and it's just, it's just not. And like, you know, as, and that's why I keep like, you know, as bad as the Miz is, I just keep seeing Johnny Gargano on the screen. And I'm like, yo, like as much as I want the Miz to go to way, can you take Johnny? Why don't you, Maurice, Johnny, and Candace go take a nice, you know, four-person cruise somewhere. You know, we can and y'all can just send vignettes and we you can put them on main event and Paul can watch them. Okay, then I don't have to watch them on Mondays, <laughs> you know? But it's just like, like, like why what he does best is wrestle. And I've seen him wrestle like one time, I feel like since he debuted. But he talks every single week, multiple times, and now he's walking around with a with a dog whistle. I ain't never seen him with a dog. So now, well, now he got a dog whistle. Like, but I, I the, when, but, and it pisses me off because the weird part is I do want to know what the whole thing is with Dexter and, and Miz. Like, what did he do? I, I'm still trying to figure that. I, I, I think he worked for Miz and he got fired off Miz and Mrs. or something. I, cause I can't think of any other reason mm-hmm. they would have a connection. So I don't know. The whole thing's stupid. If you're not gonna let Johnny be Johnny wrestling, it's, there's no reason to have him there. It's just bad right now. And maybe Dexter was a butler on Miz and Miz's seasons one and two, and he got hey, fired. And someone who watches, I don't ever remember no butler. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and daggone short, it didn't had no blonde comb over <laughs> with that porn stash going on. So, nah, I don't remember him being on no show. Maybe he was cut from the scenes. <laughs> they shoot the show a certain way maybe he was eliminated from all the family scenes i don't know but i do want to know the secret that's the only thing that's saving this feud right now because i do not care and it's just a disservice to johnny who's really good and he can be funny when it's subtle and it's not so forced like it is on this show i don't know what the hell's been going on backstage triple h what you doing to your man because this isn't it paul please save us from this so there is uh, one one of the first weeks Gargano was there. I remember distinctly this scene. They where Gargano was walking backstage, and he walks past. Uh, in the background, you see Dexter Loomis choking out the Miz, just on like a, a box or something. And like you know, he just walks back, and then he stops and he looks back, and then he's like, he just looks at the camera and says, "Oh, Dexter." And then he just keeps walking. And I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, this is the most uncool line thing I've seen in wrestling in I don't know how long. 
And that is like the coolest thing he's done since then. Like, you know, it, it's just gone downhill and I don't know what's going on. I watched the NXT run. He was entertaining. He has a personality. Um, is it that, you know, um, Austin theory and Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae were, you know, adding so much to that act and, and, uh, Dexter, of course, too. Or is it just that he's got just really, really bad material or is it the fact that he's on a stage right now, like in NXT, he got over by having like five years of wrestling kick-ass matches and then getting to show his personality. Here they're doing it the other way around and it's not working. And if they think it is, they're deluding themselves and um, it, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy if he doesn't get over. And I don't even see how he can get over. And I'm to the point now where, yeah, I want to see the secret just so this thing can be over. Um, because I can't imagine any anything they come up with that is going to actually you know, make sense. I don't think it's going to be reality based. I think if there was anything, somebody would have figured it out by now. So it's probably going to be some lame angle they came up with. And, uh, I just, I just want to see the dude wrestle. I just don't let him talk, just throw him out there, have matches like ricochet, you know, and, you know, maybe do like a, a, a vignette every six months or something, but I don't know. I agree. He's had one really good match on Monday night raw so far. And it was against Chad Gable about a month ago. That was the highlight. Yeah. And since then, comedy hell. And we don't like it here. I want Johnny Wrestling to actually wrestle and not talk. He can talk when need be. But right now, this isn't in. And Ciampa being out for a, a really long period of time is going to help either. So that's another reason why this feud is stalled and really sucks in a lot of ways as well. Outside of the secret of whatever Miz is holding back regarding his relationship with Dexter Miz. We'll find out next week, allegedly, if Johnny blows a whistle and the fact he's wearing a goddamn whistle, an actual whistle, he's a whistleblower, legit bothers me. This is dumb comedy and it needs to stop for all of us. But let's end Monday Night Raw on a little bit of a higher note with the return of Nikki Cross. Yes, Nikki Cross, no longer a superhero. And I do appreciate the fact that she tried to get this gimmick over last year, but WWE forgot the plot, the origin story, and they made her a superhero out of nowhere, and it was never going to get off the ground, unfortunately. And she was booed when crowds came back in July 2021. This concept failed, and they hung on too long. But now we get crazy, stylish, glam Nikki Cross, which is a bit weird. She's naturally gorgeous, but I like her rough around the edges a kind cuckoo but i do like the fact that she doesn't like anybody she attacked damage control she wiped out bianca belair in the main event between bianca belair and bailey in a non-title match which sets up a last woman standing match at crown jewel this saturday on peacock hopefully that's the end of this rivalry because i just feel like bianca and bailey have run out of steam and i didn't feel that way a year ago but when we see the same match over and over and over again and we see the beatdowns over and over and over again it gets a bit tedious for me as a viewer, and I like both ladies a lot, but the sooner we 86 this entire feud, the better, Paul, so we can all move on with Nikki Cross elevating herself in the Raw Women's Division at the same time. Yeah, I, I love this uh, re-debut, uh, the way they did it with her just kind of coming out of nowhere literally and uh and not being able to know who she was i actually initially thought it might be like sasha 
you know, like it was just the way they did it. And then, um, you know, they, and they didn't say who it was and the way they shot it, you couldn't see who it was. And there's just the fire she showed. And obviously like she was only on screen for, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds maybe. But in that 45 seconds, it was just made clear. Okay. This is not Nikki ASH anymore. This is a different character. I, it seems more like the sanity one, but it might even be, you know, something different and whatever it is, I like it. It's compelling. She looks great. And uh, the fire she showed, like, I think she's just like right in there and, and on raw, you know, if you're in there with Bailey and Bianca, like you're a main eventer. And, um, that to me is, is like, you know, they're just, they're giving her all the chance and, and the first uh, shot she got, um, you know, she, you know, she hit a, she hit a nice, uh, uh, fadeaway jumper and, uh, you know, uh, you know, she, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what she does next. Nobody plays psycho like Nikki Cross. And I love that for her. Miss Sanity. She is Sanity to me. She's the heart and soul of that group. And I'm glad she's able to be unleashed on the main roster officially after being a superhero for over a year. And it was all right, but it did not do her any good in terms of making it to the next level in the Raw Women's Division. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the finish of Monday Night Raw with Nikki Cross laying everyone out with ease, apparently? I, I'm probably in the minority on this, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't as big of a fan of it. I, I, I don't really care. I, I'm not as big of a Nikki Cross fan, Nikki Ash, you know, none of the, I'm not a big Nikki fan. Um, she just, she's fine. You know, she, she, she definitely serves her purpose. She's a nice character that you can have go after anybody as we just saw, but she just doesn't do a lot for me. I don't think she's going to beat Bianca. Or if, if for some odd reason Bailey wins the title, I don't think she's beating her either. So, you know, for me, she just feels like another monster to topple, but she doesn't feel like a monster. You know, she just feels like another notch that Bianca's going to add to her belt before she eventually gets to Charlotte at WrestleMania. I, so I, it doesn't really do a lot for me personally. And that's more than fair. I think she'll be a nice addition to the division. She'll have her moments here and there, but it's like her as a character because I think she'll get over a bit more than being a superhero, which was a dead end thing from the moment it started last year because you had Hurricane Helms and Mighty Molly right there to do vignettes and y'all completely missed a boat on that. That was unfortunate and it just never got over with the people. She won Miss Money in the Bank and it was a flat cash in. It was good for a week, and then she lost the championship in a month to Charlotte Flair, who slays all the trackings no matter what. And I'm just glad she's back to being herself in some way, beating up beating up people. She has no rhyme or reason for how she attacks people, and for that I appreciate it. But it's all about the follow-through and the booking to come. She will lose to Bianca Belair. It's inevitable, but I do like that she has some sort of focus in this division, which was not apparent about maybe two months ago, but it was subtle storytelling by WWE, taking off the mask, taking off the cape, being done with it until we see the full reveal this past Monday on Raw. As we move on to NXT, going down live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And we got Championship Tuesday, Tag Team Championship Tuesday at that with Casey and JoJo, Scott's favorite tag team, versus Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. And he's got thoughts on this match. But my thoughts on this NXT Women's Tag Team title match is that it was very good. I thought this might have been Casey and JoJo's finest performance to date and maybe Nikita Lyons' best in mean work ever as well. Zoe Stark's always good as well. But we got got the classic dusty finish of I didn't see the tag and I wrote up the wrong person and then we have the lead referee 
for reason say you know what i was in the back i saw what happened let's restart the match we restarted and it was even better upon the restart with casey landing that crazy spanish fly on zoe and zoe's kick out was so Shawn michaels overselling flopping like a fish but i loved it and nikita is a spin kick and the splits on Caden carter but casey breaks that up and ultimately they hit her with the double team finisher the 450 splash to retain the titles very good match it was fast paced it was very good Nice way to kick off the show. Exceeded expectations. Does Scott agree with me? Or does he have words for Casey and JoJo, a.k.a. Katana Chance and Caden Carter? If I may quote the great Casey and JoJo, people are going to think I am crazy for what I'm about to say. (laughs) But uh, I actually really enjoyed the match. I I agree. I think this is easily the best they've looked. And uh, I think a big part of that was because Nikita Lyons was in the match. Man, I thought she did not look good in this match. And I thought she stuck out really bad. Like Zoe looked great. I thought Zoe was fantastic. I loved watching her toss people around. But Nikita really just stood out to me. Um, And not in a good way, but I thought... I thought Casey and JoJo did a great job. Like their double team moves were crisp. They were on point. They were on time. I thought they did a good job keeping the crowd into it. But that finish was absolutely awful. That was stupid. The crowd took the crowd out of it. Um, and I, you can't. I just that's just the silly finish. Like when when does the ref come out like that? When have we ever seen that before? I think I've seen that one other time, and I was like on a random Monday Night Raw. And I've never seen it since, but now we just do this for a random tag match. It just, it's illogical and it doesn't make sense. It's just a reason to, to give to, it's a reason to have a rematch. That's all that was. It's just a reason to have a rematch. Um, it was silly, but the match was really good. The restart, that, that two minute restart was excellent. The crowd was hot for it. Um, I did think Nikita was going to win the titles again, but you know, it is what it is. Nikita stuck out. But Casey and JoJo, shout out to them. But I am so ready for them to lose the titles. I don't care who to. I'm just over them to with the titles. I don't know why. I'm just over it. It's but only it been really a couple good. of months. <laughs> You're tired already. <laughs> You're bored. I feel like they've had it for a year. Oh, my gosh. You just hate them. And you begrudgingly gave them credit this week. I see what you did there. All my life, I waited. <laughs> hey man i'm just saying and look you know i, w- I was gonna ask you you know how do you want it but i figured i was a little, <laughs> a little too much tupac you know what i'm saying not enough casey and jojo so <laughs> first of all um is it nine o'clock yet have we approached it out <laughs> no we have not approached it hour yet so um not enough casey and jojo you could add like the ad libs in there you know, because Casey was hitting it. I he was hitting it. them joints. <laughs> he was. Casey was on point on that joint. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got to play that song before bed now. I have to just play it to remind myself how great that song is and how great the 90s were. But, Paul, your thoughts on this match involving Casey and JoJo versus the team of Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark for the women's tag team titles for NXT. I, 
I'm probably showing my age here, but uh, I, I think that, you know, we don't have a name for Nikita Lyons and uh, Zoe Stark. So maybe they could be the Sunshine Band. Oh, and then this oh, band, this match would goodness. be Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We've hit but, over you know, 65 like demo. Blondes and, no, this, this this match was awesome. Um, you know, despite the, the terrible, um, you know, what they call Dusty uh, finish, I I kind of everyone always calls it dusty. I think I I'm reminded whenever I see this of the Monday Night Raw where Chris Jericho won the world title from Triple H and then was stripped of it later in the show or you know whatever they did I can't even remember but it was almost like they do this so that they can kind of just kind of get a picture of that team with the titles and see how people react to it. And then, you know, so they can decide, okay, is this something we want to do is, is kind of the reasoning that I would give for that. Um, although I don't think that's much of a reason. Uh, but despite that, I mean, it, it was a very good match and it, it really got me thinking and, you know, we're going to talk about the other tag team title match in a bit, but um, you know, this, the NXT 2.0 was much maligned when it started, but um you know, all these talents that they brought in at that time that were green, like over the last year, most of them have improved. I mean, Nikita Lyons is one, um, you know, and and there's others um, that, you know, that they went from nothing to, you know, like they're pretty good. And, and you know, and even like Solo Sokoa, we talked about earlier, is, is already on the main roster. And a year ago, you know, we just got introduced to him. So I just, I just think like matches like this are... I hate to do it, but you know, you got to kind of give props to Vince for that decision back in July or August of, of 2021 to kind of say, you know what, this developmental we got right now isn't working. We have no young stars and we need to revamp what we're doing and we need to start putting young people on this show and letting them sink or swim. And, um, and, and now a year later, I, I did a rundown and I don't have the notes in front of me, but there is something like uh, 20 people in WWE that are like 25 or under, you know, that are being featured on national cable television every week and their future looks bright. And then you, you know, like, and a year ago, a year and a half ago, you couldn't say that because all their stars felt like they were 40 or over. So I, I really, really like this. Um, I don't, I don't want to see Nikita or Zoe on the main roster soon, but I do think that this showed that KC and Jojo could be on the main roster anytime, you know, if they, if they want to do that. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they're going to be huge stars, but they can definitely hang with the, with the women on raw and or SmackDown. So, um, this was, this was great. I enjoyed it as well. He made a good point about Vince for all of his many, many, many faults and that he did see diamonds in the rough at developmental last year. And it was a nice overhaul in a sense, but the mistake was it was too much too soon. You're veered too far in one direction that screamed 1990s in terms of booking and presentation. But I understood the point of me trying to find out who's good on this show. Listen, Andre Chase before 2.0 was boring as fuck. I wanted him fired, honestly. Mm -hmm. And that gimmick saved his job in a lot of ways. So sometimes sports entertainment works in some cases. And sometimes I have to give Vince's due. He saw talent and people that were sitting there. Braun Breaker was sitting there just working out, just training, just pumping iron. And he says, you know what? You're a fucking Steiner. Go out there. Show. 
what you're good at. Prove your worth and look at what has happened. This guy is a unicorn and is going to be a future WrestleMania main eventer. He's under 30 years old. And that's the perks of finding people that can be stars. Does it work for everybody? No. But even Von Wagner, Von Wagner, a year ago, got dissed red and disrespected on this show and look where he is now he has improved minus his hair but he has improved dramatically scott respects this man now he's become his advocate and he's proud of it right scott you like him now you would actually take his retainer and keep it yeah i'm rocking with well hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on because what we're not going to do is you're not going to put cornrow vine under me he ain't gonna be retained under me so that's what we're not going to do. So we got to he always got to get his head checked before he come and get any type of attention or any type of, uh, uh, you know, special treatment from me. But as uh, long as the hair straight. Yeah, he, he good with me. And I do want to point out, uh, I think Vince probably got a big assist from one of his like grandsons or something because they were probably playing Madden <laughs> and they saw Braun Breaker on the bench. Like, oh, look, that's isn't that the Steiner's kid. And Vince was like, huh? What do you know he's in the game we got it we got him in the, we got him at the before what are we doing we got to get him on tv he's on the game that's so that's how that happened so we do have to give an assist to the grandkids shout out to madden okay so let's picture it before we move on so it's vince at shane's penthouse okay <laughs> they're they're in new york somewhere manhattan perhaps and i think i know the kid's name by her declan declan kingston yeah and somebody else another kid and kingston? Yeah, Kingston. That's one of the, yeah, legit. That's his name. I think Declan's in like college. Declan's in college. So he was at, you know, so they're sitting at at the crib one day and they're playing Madden. And he says, what's that? Mm -hmm. That's a video game, Grandpa. Uh, What you playing? Madden 2021. Who's that? Uh, That's a guy named Bronson Rex Steiner. Steiner. (laughs) From those Steiners. (laughs) Yeah. uh, What team he plays for? I know a Steiner. I know a Steiner or two. That that Scott, that 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 bastard. But what about him? Uh, he plays for the Baltimore Ravens. He was on the practice squad. Oh, he's still there? Nah, but we can play him in the game. I like him. He's big. He's strong. He's young. Sign him. <laughs> and that's exactly how he got the gig in WWE. Look at those lats. Look at those lats and traps. <laughs> Look at those quads. Put, those him, put him in the game. Let me see him tackle. <laughs> Let me see a spear. What a spirit! What a maneuver! <laughs> the kid, they put him, they put him in, they put that man in at middle linebacker, and the other, he's like, "All right, now I want you to run the ball right up the middle, and I need a clean spear." And we, and Braun came in, rucked that dude. He was like, "Yep, get him, call him now, call him up. I'll be down there Tuesday." I like this kid up close. Look at those pecs. Those strong. Scott will put him in the hall. Put him in a hall of fame for if I, I push his nephew on TV. Look at those lats. Look at those nipples. Hard oh nipples. <laughs> like you my. Talking about, you asking me what time it is, and you talking about looking at somebody's nipples. Well. But you asking me what time it is. Well, look how Austin Theory got a push last year. Was about that egg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at those glutes. It's oh, a nice tight end right there. But oh, <laughs> were you talking about the oh. position or his actual tight end? Well, you know, knowing Vince, oh. probably both. <laughs> you know, after the XFL, his football knowledge is very limited. So, just saying, it's a horny hour now. We've approached I think, it. I absolutely think we're in it now. <laughs> Scott started it with Tupac, so like we was verging yeah. right there. Anyway, we was on the edge. 
But um, we're going to pull back a little bit now. We've done our oddly accurate Vince impersonation of football and Madden and how he signed Bronze, Bronson Wexteiner to a deal. I saw him at Kennesaw State. Great talent, by the way. Wink, wink from day one. But let's move on to Scott's other favorite tag team that popped me a few weeks ago on this show. Outcast. <laughs> Outcast versus Pretty Deadly for the NXT Tag Team titles. I gotta say, this match also exceeded expectations. Malik Blade probably had his best performance to date. I dug it. Pretty Deadly are a very good tag team. And and Idris Anofe, he's getting better, but you gotta learn how to take a bump over the ropes getting clothesline because that was a hot-ass mess. It kind of tore the match apart a bit at the end. But I like Malik Blade's freakout pin on Elton Prince for a very close near fall to almost win the titles, but failed to do so when he got hit with spilt milk as Pretty Deadly retained the NXT Tag Team titles. All in all, I thought this match exceeded expectations. It was good. Malik Blade, who was a jobber to the stars during the early days of 2.0, has now become a very good wrestler, got a ways to go, but I like the improvement for having no personality to something, even though he's wearing Oregon sweaters. And I did laugh at Booker T saying that um, the reason why he's we the reason why he wears those sweaters as a tribute to his family that worked the nine to five is because they worked six days a week at the library as librarians. And Booker T, you might not be wrong about that. But Paul, your thoughts on this tag team title match from NXT. So when I when I watched that opener, I was like, wow, I'm just blown away. And like, you know, if there's nothing, you know, this is going to be my match of the night. And then and then I was surprised that the men's tag team match was even better. And uh, and obviously, you know, not having a fuck finish, pardon my French, um, it was, uh, you know, was a big part of that. But I mean, the match itself was great. Uh, You know, Jack Duck Burkle, you know, might have had his best match ever. And uh, Malik Blade. Uh, or uh, Edris Anofe, I should say, you know, uh, Malik is, is Jack Virgo, but Idris Anofe was, did I get that right? I, I, the, the guy with the sweater is, is that Malik? That's Malik. That's Malik. That's Malik. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So Idris is normally just sits there and looks good, but here he, he wrestled and uh, you know, this, this is the first time where I saw a team that I thought, you know what, these guys, these guys can be something. Whereas before it was just like, you know, they look good and, you know, they're kind of quirky backstage and the dynamic between the two of them is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, and we, and we saw this and, um, and then we, we got to see a little bit of their personality later on when they, you know, hopped in the, in the back of the truck with the hotties and Odyssey Jones and, and took off to, uh, go party. Um, that was cool. But uh, the match itself was was great. Pretty deadly. I've been watching them for years because I watched NXT UK, as I know Scott did, and I, I think you did as well, Keela. And um, I, I've known that these guys, like this team right now, could be, you know, like wrestling the Usos for the tag team titles and, you know, possibly winning them. Like th- this is a ready for primetime act that, um, you know, is they're being allowed to be themselves or to be their characters anyways, like they're unfiltered and, and it's, and it's just wonderful. And, uh, and then in the matches, like they're just, they're that team that, you know, they're unthreatening, but yet they can somehow find a way to win. And that is the perfect team, uh, that can fight anybody or wrestle anybody. And, um, 
yeah, I was just like super impressed. And and again, this was just another one where it hit me that the future looks real, real bright for for WWE because, you know, you had Pretty Deadly who nobody knew who they were a year ago because they were languishing away in NXT UK and Edris Sanofe and Malik Blade who came from nowhere all of a sudden are like a team that you want to watch now. And, uh, you know, and this is something we didn't have. So kudos to uh you know to to sean michaels and the rest of the crew down in uh orlando and uh i want to see more me too they've improved a lot and you can see it with their performances in the ring very impressive stuff so scott so what did big boy and andre 3000 do for you <laughs> in this match did they impress you like casey and jojo are you still hating on them are you still hating on three stacks and big boy no, nah, I can uh, I can definitely say they definitely dropped a couple bombs over Baghdad on this one, and um, they had me getting up and getting out. So I'm um I'm definitely yeah. <laughs> hey, you know um you know I definitely had to pull my speaker box out because the love below I was very excited with what I got. Um, no, I, I the match was good. The match was really good. Uh, I do have a problem with the skit later on though. I hate I hate 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 when teams or wrestlers lose a big match and then they're just like yeah well oh well here's a couple hot chicks in odyssey in a truck i'm jumping in like i mean come on like give me you know i i don't know that that maybe that's just maybe that's just me being minute but um i the main thing i took away from this is that pretty deadly like i i think i'm with paul that pretty deadly is just incredible and that was the main takeaway i took from this and you know this was the best i thought they've looked and I have to give credit. I have to think a big part of that is pretty deadly mm-hmm. from the selling, just the setup of the match. I, I just think they're they're excellent. And as much as I want to see them on the main roster, this is the type of team that needs to be down here at 2.0. And, you know, Paul, you brought up a good point about a lot of these teams and wrestlers that we're seeing now that were, you know, kind of, you know, shoved it to shoved to the forefront and really put in front of the you know put in front of the bright lights before they were ready are really improving and showing that now a big part of that I think has been a lot of the talent we've seen come down recently and the influx of UK talent I really think that has helped and sped up the improvement and just kind of the learning process with a lot of these wrestlers like I think they look better than the match they had a couple weeks ago you know just talking about um Outcast. I, I think they they've improved that much already, and it's just from working with these different teams. The Coconut Loop has definitely helped out. Like you see results and stuff. I mean, like I just saw a, a Halloween contest that some of the women had. So you know, like you see these, they're they're getting reps and they're getting to work with more experienced teams and not just working with teams at their level. And I think that is so important. And as much as I want Pretty Deli to go up, because you're right, Paul, they could easily be a cornerstone of the, any tag division right now. I, they, they're they so vital in 2.0 just with how good they are and how much they can help a lot of these younger teams out. They brought so much life and energy the last few months being together and just elevating the tag team division. And I love the Kree brothers, but right now, Pretty Deadly are the rightful owners of those tag team titles to carry that division and make everybody better at the exact same time. They've been so good. They're so funny, but also highly underrated in the ring. They know how to go and they know how to make their opponents look good every single time. And I got to respect that. I want to throw a bonus NXT topic out there for you guys that I forgot to mention for our rundown. And that is the debut of 
Ava Rain as a part of the schism. And, you know, I hate the Arkham Asylum rejects for this crew. I can't stand them. They suck. Shout out to um, Jagger Reed's physique. That's a highlight for me. Why they're hiding you in that white T-shirt, I don't know. You could get cheddar biscuits from me. But until then... I can't. Let me let me ask you a question, Keila. <laughs> I gotta know, like, how big is this table that you inviting all these people to come have cheddar biscuits with us? Because like, I got a couple, I got a couple people I'm trying to bring too. You fill it up the whole table. Listen, it's a party of twenty four right now. Holy hell! <laughs> it's a lot of cheddar biscuits. It's free on the house. <laughs> if you contribute to some drinks, that'll help. But you're a cheap ass, so I can't rely on you. So, just getting my free salad and water. Just awful. Look what kind of dinner table guest you are. Just the worst. But you just want to get the cheddar biscuits. I understand it. But the table's expansive. And he's hiding a lovely physique under that damn white shirt. I don't get it. But it is what it is. But in all seriousness, what are your thoughts on Ava Rain's debut? And if you don't know who Ava Rain is, she is the daughter of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Simone Johnson, but we have to call her Ava Rain to renounce her fourth generation status for one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Paul. I uh, so I hate the gimmick and I wish that she wasn't with this crew, but I did think that in that short little promo that she did, she definitely showed some personality. And I think like she's you know, I, I can't write her off because I mean, number one, she's the rocks kid, but number two, like there's definitely something there. Um, she's very well-spoken. She's, um, captivating and, um, you know, and I don't really know much about her. And when I first, like, I didn't, I didn't recognize like her at first. So when she said her name, I thought, Oh, that name sounds familiar. And then, so I Googled it and then I found out and then it, but it was like, I was intrigued enough to know that, this has got to be someone like this isn't just some random signee, you know, like an NIL person I've never heard of um, because she de definitely had more. She was more well-spoken for someone's first national TV promo than you're normally going to see. So while I'm, I'm very leery about the group that she's with, I am definitely think she's got a good future. I agree. I liked her composure. I liked what she said. The group sucks, but this is the first step for her to stand out in a group. And I thought that she had great screen presence on Tuesday. And I just advise her to have Charlotte Flair's phone number and on speed dial to call her because she can relate to the pressures of being the daughter of a famous wrestler, one of the greatest to ever do it. And Ric Flair, The Rock, same category. The struggle's real. And I go back to what Charlotte noted on the Broca Skull Sessions a couple of months ago and that it's pressure. And she felt so uncomfortable in the interview because she still does not understand how great she is. And she thinks that her dad's name carries her along. No, Charlotte, you're great because your name can only do so much for you. You got to put in the work and hope that Ava Rain understands that too. If she's going to have a long haul in this business, your dad is your dad, but you are you and you got to forge your path, be who, you, be who you're meant to be. And don't worry about the outside noise because it is what it is at the end of the day. But Scott, your thoughts on Ava Rain's debut on NXT alongside the schism, a.k.a. bootleg Arkham Asylum orderlies. I think I'm kind of with you guys. You like the gimmick sucks, but you know, she, she did well for herself. And I will say this, like I've had multiple women, like my wife, people that work come up to me cause they know I like wrestling and, you know, be like, Hey, I heard the rocks 
you know, daughter started, uh, started wrestling. So, you know, I think that's an underrated component that we should keep an eye on is that this is going to reach, I think, further than I think people may realize because it is The Rock's daughter. Like The Rock is still the biggest movie star in the world. And when his daughter does something, people are going to take notice. And especially when she breaks into the business. And I know it's silly, but it's still just more exposure, you know, more, more eyeballs, more attention to the WWE. Um, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be something long-term. I think this is just a way to get her on TV and not have her just wrestling matches and being exposed. So in that regard, I think it's smart to put her in a group, especially if they don't think she's ready to be wrestling, but they want to show her personality. They want to have her on screen and get people accustomed to seeing her. So in that retro, in that regard, I like the move. I just don't like the move being with schism or whatever it is. <laughs> schism. I love that. Shitism. It's even better. Just say shit, but besides the point. <laughs> Sorry. I don't like them. Even though I like look even though I like looking at Jagaritas, I don't like them as a group. But that's besides the point. Now we gotta talk about the main event. JD McDonough versus Ilya Dragunov. I have read JD on this show for weeks, but I got to say, now you're acting like the guy who you said you were in your promos, being very surgical, being menacing, being violent. Ilya Dragunov, my God, the selling this man does and all of his matches are incredible. His ribs were taped up and he sold and sold and sold, collapsed going for the, for the torpedo Moscow and he can't land his finisher because his ribs hurt too much and we have JD choke that man out to his bleeding, going for a stretch as well to add insult to injury. A really competitive, fun, bruising battle to close out NXT on Tuesday night and I just love this infusion of NXT UK talent just elevates all of these matches in the best possible way Elio to me is so ready made for the main roster but he's good here as well to elevate on Breaker to get JD over for another match against Breaker presumably at NXT deadline before the end of the year we'll see about that but all in all a very good NXT is wrapped up with a strong main event between McDonough and Elio Dragunov Scott yeah, I, I've been on the JD train for, since he debuted. Since he re-debuted back in NXT, um, I think he's fantastic. I thought the match was really good. Uh, you hit it on the head with Dragonoff. His selling is great, and JD was the word you used was perfect. He was surgical during this match. He went after every every move he did attacked that that rib cage, attacked that lower back. Um, he instead of a he lifted him up and instead of a back suplex like he hits all the time, he just dropped him into a back breaker. And like I, I just love the little things like that as he attacked that body part. Um, I think I, I'm pretty sure I said this a couple weeks ago and I'm gonna double down on it. I still think he's gonna be the guy to take the title from Braun Breaker. I I think there's a reason he didn't take the pinfall in the triple threat. And I think there's a reason that he's still going after the title. I I think Braun's his time in NXT is 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 running short. Um, and another little thing, I do like that they're advertising Braun. I like that he's not there every week, but when he does, you get the, you get a week's advance notice. Like, let's see what happens when Braun shows. Let's see if it pops up. And so, I like that little touch as well for your champ. But yeah, JD JD's excellent. He is an excellent, excellent, excellent heel wrestler. 
Kiez and I kind of made a prediction about Braun Breaker that he was going to be here for about a year, have the keys as champion, and he can go. And I want him to go because the fans don't appreciate him down there, unfortunately. Not all, some of them, they kind of fell over him. They don't appreciate him as much as they should. And he goes to the main roster, he's going to be a star. He'll come back in three years and they'll love him because he's Braun fucking Breaker. And you should put some respect on his name. Appreciate greatness while he's there because when he's gone, you're going to miss him. But I get it. He's better off on the main roster preferably by the Warrior Rumble. But Paul, what are your thoughts on his main event between J.D. McDonough and Ilya Dragunov, which could lead to McDonough versus Breaker before the end of the year via NXT deadline on December 10th, the same day as final battle for Ring of Honor. Will it run head to head at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern? <laughs> we don't know yet. That's WWE's discretion in the next month and a half. Uh, I like both of you. I thought this match was great. Um, I've seen a lot of really good matches between these two, and this this one didn't disappoint. It was my match of the week in WWE, um, and uh, I yeah I you know I I think that's interesting. Like having him uh, win the title, and then you could have Ilya Dragunov come back, and that and that could be you know a, a title feud heading into the next a big show that they do uh, probably New Year's Evil. Um, and then, you know, and Braun Breaker can kind of make his way to the main roster, maybe debut at the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, I, I just, I, this is the first time for either of these two, uh, Dragunov and uh, McDonough, where you actually got to see what is so great about them. Um, you know, and, and the, the selling of Dragunov, um, which is what got him over in that feud with Walter and then, you know, in his, in his title reign and, uh, and JD McDonough just being evil and uh, that, you know, even though he's, he's kind of tiny, he's just like clinical and ruthless. And, um, and that has never, even though that's a character he's playing, this is the first time we actually got to see it in the ring. And um, and the first time where you could actually feasibly say, hey, this guy could could win the belt down the road. So um, just a great way to cap off what was a really good episode of NXT. There was some bad stuff. And thankfully, we haven't talked about it. Maybe we'll get to it on our avoid at all costs segment later on. But um, this was uh, this was a great way to cap off a a really awesome uh, two hours of TV. Great reset after Halloween Havoc, which was an okay show. This was a nice, clean slate to build up to the last quarter of the year for NXT. A nice bounce back show for them to kind of reset the table for the end of 2022. As we go back to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, going down live in St. Louis, Missouri, the last hard push for Crown Jewel. I got to call out Karrion Cross versus Matt Cat Moss because this match was dry, it was boring. And the fans were dead for it. And I've tried to give Karrion Cross grace and time. But I always said the time of death for his character was June 2021 when Adam Cole ethered that man on the microphone before he left for AEW. That was the end of Karrion Cross. I thought, can he recover on the main roster? Maybe it's NXT. It's him. At this point, I hate to say it, but it's true. Scarlett's great. He, I don't know what it is. If you can't have a good match against Drew McIntyre at Extreme Rules, we got problems. And I just sense he's plateaued. I don't see any growth. He's not compelling to watch in the ring. He just feels off. All he is right now is an entrance. And I didn't want to say that, but I don't see 
anything in him besides hair, which is nice, but I need more than that. And Scarlett's a great addition, but he's got to bring me more in the ring. So right now I am selling Karrion Cross on SmackDown. What do you say, Paul? Hmm. I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I've been, I wouldn't say I've been high on him, but I guess before they signed him and before he debuted in NXT, I was, he was somebody that I had seen in impact wrestling. And I thought, you know what, this, this act is perfect for WWE. The matches he had in impact were really good. You know, I don't, maybe it was his opponents. I don't know what, but when he showed up in NXT, he had that awesome entrance and, and, you know, and they just presented him as this killer. And then, like you said, when he had that uh, verbal battle with Adam Cole and got destroyed, um, I, I think that did something to his confidence. And then they brought him to the main roster and, you know, he's going 50, 50 with Jeff Hardy. And eventually right before he got fired, like they were actually starting to push him again, but he didn't have Scarlet. And so he comes back and I'm like, okay, you know what? They're going to do this right this time. They got Scarlet. They've got the entrance. They got everything. He's got hair. Um, and it, it just hasn't been there. Like I don't, and I don't even know what they could do at this point because to me, like my brain says, well, you know what? He just needs to be mowing through people, but I'm not even sure that would work because we've already, he's been exposed already. And like you said, if, if he can't have a good match with Drew McIntyre, um, that's a problem. And then even Madcap Moss is normally pretty exciting. He's explosive. He gets a crowd behind him. And they had this match where it really should have been like a five-minute squash, but instead they went through a commercial break and Madcap was getting offense on him. He was getting he was getting offense on him. He was back and forth. And then, you know, and then he chokes him out. And by the time this match was over, it was just like the crowd was, oh my God, can we just get on to the next thing? And I got this bet going with Brady Childs where Karen Cross is going to headline WrestleMania. Um, and I think I have till 2024. <laughs> but and, and when he got fired, I was like, OK, I got to have to pay up this debt now. But then he got hired back and he started getting pushed. I'm like, hey, I got a lease on life. I should probably just buy him the meal at this point because I don't think it's happening. I don't like your odds at this point. It doesn't look very no. good. And when you no. talk about Madcap, we saw what he could do against Sheamus a few weeks ago. Yeah. That's not that he's not the problem. Madcap nope. is not the problem at all. It's carrying cross. And I want people to actually go back and watch in your house from two years ago and watch how he demolished Master Champa. That was a demolition job to a seasoned vet, a former two-time NXT champion. And that was carrying cross at his best. I honestly believe when he fucked up his shoulder a couple of years ago he's never been the same and that was excavated by what Adam Cole said to him in that promo that ended him and maybe it's a shot to his confidence I don't know what it is but he is not the same guy that was over when nobody was there at the PC or full cell over two years ago you got Scarlett but she's not enough right now and that's saying something as well so Scott what are your thoughts on the presentation of Karrion Cross as far is it a buy or are you selling this because I've tried I am a fair person and things can change and work for Von Wagner. But so far I'm not sold on carrying across, even though he's got the look, he ain't bringing it in the ring right now. So when my thoughts on carrying cross are, I, I kind of think of him as more of a Tensai than I do an Umaga. And what do I mean by that? When they brought Tensai in, he beat John Cena and CM Punk in back-to-back Monday Night Raws. 
You know, he gave him all this hype, this big push, and he just he just didn't have it. He just wasn't believable as this guy. And for me, Karrion Cross isn't believable as this killer. You know, like this is this is Sable Mark O'Mara. Um and with Umaga, you believed Umaga because they they brought Umaga up slowly. He was beating guys down. Then he'd go and beat Ric Flair at a pay-per-view. Beating guys down. Then he'd go beat Shawn Michaels at a pay-per-view. Beating guys down. Then he'd go win a number one contenders match. Then he faces the champion, and the champion barely survives. It has to, the, the dominant John Cena champion who had been rolling through everybody rolls him up after he misses a splash. Like So it, the way you build these monsters up, is so important when you try to throw a monster at people and you just bang bang and they're not dynamic you know they're not these dynamic like that's not like like a keith like a monster like keith lee who can do anything that's somebody that you can go out and just throw out there and put in a couple matches like oh my god like look at this guy he's incredible i got like a like a dominic Dijak. that's a guy you could do that with but across Nah. And the worst part is he has Scarlet right there and he's still not able to project the monster they want him to be. That's why to me, he just comes off like a Tensai. You know, he's he's a monster that they want that's just never going to happen. Instead of the Umaga, the monster that they continue to build and feed until he's so full that everybody's ready for him to burst and get beat. It's... It's it's all about how you build and present these monsters, and they've they've done carrying cross no favors in his presentation either. Let's let's not, you know, I, I don't want to put all this on him because the the black and white debut awful, just just terrible. Him not buzzsawing guys left and right. Uh, Keila, you brought up a great point about the in your house, the way he buzzsawed through Tommaso Champ, but that's what he's got to do. You. If you want to build a guy like that, you got to be willing to sacrifice people because that's what it takes. They sacrifice Champa to build to build cross up. So if you're not willing to sacrifice the bodies, then you're not going to be able to build him up like that. And you have to build him up like you do Umaga and not try to force feed like a Tensai. Very good points. You were in a cave during that speech. I want to clarify that. But it's okay. Of course I was. <laughs> Rey Mysterio put you there for punishment. But it's okay. Can't even boo you could me for the one good thing I say on the show. <laughs> You're like Zordon telling us what to do. Rangers, activate. Like, sure. Great. <laughs> <laughs> we put over Dominic and now it's a revenge <laughs> yes. Oh my god. We, we were too nice to him. We do bad and we bury Dominic. Damn it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, J.D. We buried Dominic for a week and he got better. He must have heard the show. But before we wrap things up, we got to talk about the end of SmackDown involving Bray Wyatt. He comes out once again and he cuts another cryptic promo about doing very bad things and having zero regrets. Still being moved by the fans' reactions to him, which is very nice. Then we get another QR code flash. I don't get the clue this time around, unfortunately. It flashed too quickly for me. Maybe somebody has to drop online. But we get an introduction from Uncle Howard 
Audi in a very creepy mask talking about how Bray's running away from him. He can't run from his past is coming for him some way, somehow. And the show ends once again on the cliffhanger right at 10 o'clock PM Eastern on FS1. Now for my astute, super sleuthy fans on social media, they caught an airing of Uncle Howdy's and they said, hmm, long time ago, Bo Dallas wore the exact same earring that Uncle Howdy wore on SmackDown. So could it be Bo Dallas as Uncle Howdy under that mask? And if so, damn, Bo Dallas has become a thespian, being creepy and menacing, which is definitely a step up for him, Paul. So um, the I didn't I didn't even know there was a QR code, but um, I, I completely missed it. But I, I Googled it while you were talking and it's a picture of Bray Wyatt with red X's over his eyes and the word liar written on the screen about 30 times. Damn. So that's what the QR code was. Okay. Um, yeah, I was uh, I don't know. I, I think I was supposed to be intrigued, but I was just more like like what? Like when I was watching this, like I really dug the promo leading up to it. And then, you know, like I kind of figured like this is where it's going. So I guess we did get some storyline advancement. We got the introduction of a new character. I am not sure about this name, <laughs> Uncle Howdy. Like it sounds like something Vince would come up with. Like it's Howdy Duty time, you know, from like the 1950s or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought of Bo Dallas as well. So maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think... Anybody thinking that they're going to just tune into SmackDown and, oh, yeah, this is the week we're going to get the answers. Uh, to quote Wade Barrett, I got some bad news for you because I think this is going a while. Um, we're going to get – if it's going to be the Wyatt Six, I mean, we might be looking at WrestleMania before we we see what six they are. I mean, at the very least, Royal Rumble because right now we're heading into a period where you know WWE is usually kind of down. I think we have no premium line events between uh, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. So um, it, it could be a while, and I think you just got to kind of buckle up and brace for the ride and hope that the promos are good. It's very quiet times here after Survivor Series. And we're not going to get the whole bag right now. You're going to have to be patient. It's a slow burn. You're not going to get everything. You're not going to have Wyatt wrestling every week. Why would you at this point? doesn't make any sense. It's intrigued. The promos he cuts in the ring are very good. But I have a hard time understanding what the fuck the maxed people are saying. I need like closed <laughs> captioning. What the fuck are you saying? I don't know yeah. what you're saying. And when I have to use closed captioning or rewind the clip to find out what you're trying to tell me, I'm lost. So I need that production aspect to switch up a bit. Stop being cute with the voice. But when Bray talks, I am captivated by him. He's great. He gives me the original Bray Wyatt from the Wyatt family from 10 years ago. That's the Bray Wyatt that I know and love. The masked people, I'll get used to them. I just got to understand what the fuck they're saying on TV. Because when they're there for 30 seconds, I don't know anything. I hear mask, hiding, I'm going to get you. Okay, what's the other four sentences beforehand that I cannot decipher? But otherwise, good cliffhanger. Scott, wherever he is right now, Cave are back with us and full body and spirit. Your thoughts on the closing of SmackDown with Bray Wyatt introducing us to Uncle Howdy. Rangers, Rita Repulsa is attacking Angel Grove. Am I <laughs> Oh, sorry. I had to had to let everybody had to let the Rangers know there was an attack just to escape the world real quick. Sorry about that. Um, I'm back though. As far as Bray Wyatt goes, um, 
I'm I'm shocked he's never created a horror movie because he just he has great ideas. These are all be great ideas for a horror movie. Um, just one quick question. I'm probably going to sound like the get off my lawn guy. Um, that's my gimmick. Yeah, I know. And that's the weird thing, right? Like, <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm about to take your gimmick while you're right across from me. Um, what? How is this going to translate to the ring? Like, at, at what point does this translate to the ring? You know, um, I, I just I, that that's that's my main concern. How does this translate to the ring? Who does it translate to? And who is he going to be wrestling? I mean, like, there's why would anybody wrestle him? Nope. I mean, why hasn't they put why haven't they put him in a match yet? So, like, I don't know. I just I I want to know how this translates to the ring, because that's where it has to culminate. That's where the whole thing has to culminate at some point. When do we get that? We we got to get that at some point. I can't wait till the Royal Rumble to see him wrestle. Like I'm cool waiting to see the Wyatt Six, but like you gonna make me wait to the Royal Rumble to see Bray Wyatt wrestle? No offense, but it's not like I'm seeing freaking Brian Danielson. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. That's just me. That that could just be me. I I got to go back and check on uh, Tommy. If if you're doing an over under on when we're, I think the Royal Rumble is like maybe the earliest we're gonna see Bray Wyatt wrestle. But see, that's that's crazy to me. Like I, I figured yeah. you could have Bray wrestle a match. And still have his demons attack him. You know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying. And it, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're probably right. But do you think... I hope I'm wrong. I but... know. I mean, I hope you're wrong too. But you're probably yeah. not. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, do you think... Do you all think that people are going to keep intrigue enough for, to see him wrestle? You know? That is a good point. He's got to find a target. Because... Right. He right. talks about doing bad things or find somebody to do bad things too and get back to me. I am still intrigued by this, but we got to find a target at this point. Who are you going after? Who's coming for you? Somebody's obviously wanting you to embrace who you really are, which is great, but I need you to find somebody to feud with preferably before the end of the year. We'll get there eventually. But as Zordon instructs us to do things in Angel Grove, fight off the villain of the day, you know, because Rita's on the loose here. I do want to give honorary Cheddar Biscuits to not even a Power Ranger, shockingly enough, because some of them are doing crimes and doing time. I can't really dedicate Biscuits to them. Some of them Power Rangers went crazy when they got off the show. (laughs) Chopping heads off and stuff, like, with swords. Like, people are, they crazy. Stealing money, cheating on their wives. Oh my God. But, I'm going to give honorary cheddar biscuits to, of all people, I got to do it. I've seen past episodes of Power Rangers on Netflix, and I got to give my biscuits to um, Skull from the crew. Got to honorary cheddar biscuits. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, Balkan Skull? Hell no, just Skull. Just Jason. (laughs) Not both of them, just one of them. Okay. Because <laughs> I thought they were a combo package. I thought if you got one, you had to get the other one. Hell no. So. I respect I respect bulk, but I would prefer Skull at the table. Noted okay. thespian. I respect his acting skills. <laughs> Shakespearean trained. There is that one episode. I ain't gonna get into it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I can see the vision. But as we as we just, just veered all out of control here on the show it's just off the rails at this point zordon's here i'm a pink ranger paul what color pick a color who are you 
White Ranger. Go Power Rangers. Sorry. Are you the Blue Ranger, Green Ranger, White Ranger, Red Ranger? Uh, probably red. Okay. I think I'm the red ranger. Pick Rocky. Oh, yeah. You think you're the red ranger? You the leader, dude? You just claim <laughs> yeah, leadership yeah, like that, great, huh? dude. Hey. I, I've never watched this <laughs> hey. show. I don't know what the hell hey. about, I just like the color red. Now, Scott's going to get this one because... <laughs> go, go, Power Ranger. Scott's going to appreciate this inside rip here because in a great moment in Power Rangers history, the red ranger got demoted <laughs> in post-production. Hold up. What? <gasps> yes. Remember when the original Rangers left the Red Ranger? You had Jason, you had um, Zach, and you had um, Trini. They left the show because of contract disputes, money issues. And in post-production, they got fired because the stand-in that was a Red Ranger got booted for Tommy, who took the gig as lead Ranger. That all happened in post-production. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's the inside joke for Power Ranger Zeo when Rocky got demoted because Jason came back as the Gold Ranger. Is that why they, is that why they got the little kid? Yes, eventually. But yes, inside joke. Oh, snap. Demotions happened in, po- in post-production. <laughs> no lie. Inside reference. So look, y'all know if y'all don't hear me next week, I got demoted post-production. <laughs> Paul got his job back after a year after he gave it to you. <laughs> he plotted your demise right here on the rap. I'm going to get my job back. God damn it. Paul has he did no... kill it. He did kill it today, though. So I, I might be in he trouble did. after the show. Yes. Yeah. I, I think you're good. All righty. So. I will... <laughs> oh. the, the over 50 demo for the show is through the toilet right now oh my gosh we're, we're playing to the next gen kids from 30 years ago damn straight hey power rangers was a shit back then just saying yeah, them kids them kids yeah. people listen to this show now like who is zordon the, the, go on netflix I'm sorry miss jackson <laughs> i am for real now, everybody, now look if they don't know outcast they don't need to be listening to our show never meant to <laughs> sorry yeah they better they better know some miss jackson they better know uh-huh. the entire outcast <laughs> yeah. catalog it's mandatory uh-huh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay, so we veered into just insanity to wrap up this show. But before we go, guilty pleasures, avoid at all costs, which might have been this last segment here involving Power Rangers <laughs> for reasons. I gave you inside history on the show. I gave you references of Cheddar Biscuits to Skull and Scott wouldn't be given like a two-for-one special not happening. But in all seriousness, what's <laughs> it happening? Nice try. But Paul, in all seriousness, your guilty pleasure and the one thing that fans should avoid from WWE this week. Okay, so I'll, I'll do the avoid at all costs. Uh, there's a there's a match with Lash Legend um, on NXT that if it happens to be sitting on your DVR, just just fast forward right through that, and uh, and the show will be much better. Uh, that that was horrible. Um, I don't even remember who her opponent was, but I just know she was Shotzi. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Shotzi's not very good either, but um, the lash was horrible. But my uh, my guilty pleasure, um, and I brought it up earlier. Um, in a um, sorry, level up and main event. Um, I watch those shows, and sometimes I wonder like what the hell I'm doing. But lately, 
it's been real good. Um, main event, they've been doing, they've been bringing up people from NXT and they've been wrestling and they've actually been doing like backstage interviews and kind of like vignettes. And they're just, they're putting a little bit more effort into that show. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's appreciated by somebody that's watching it. So for me, I'm really liking that and level up. There's like a really cool storyline going on on that show with a guy named miles Bourne who, you know, people probably haven't heard of him, but he showed up on NXT level up about three months ago and he looks great. And, uh, and then they had him do this interview backstage and I'm like, I watched this interview and this guy has like no personality. And he reminded me of like Randy Orton when he first started. And, but then I find out, you know, and I'm wondering like, he's a terrible promo, but then I real like, I realized like, you know, I did some research and the guy's actually deaf. And, uh, and then like this thing came, became somewhat viral. Like there was articles written about it and everything. And this guy, they decided to do something with him. So they had him wrestle like about, I think he had like six matches in a row where he lost every single match. And then he finally got a win and it was over somebody that he lost to earlier. So now he's going through and he's trying to wrestle all the people that he lost to and he's beating them and he's slowly getting better and he's gaining confidence and he's doing the last interview he did with Kelly Kincaid. He was actually pretty good. And like, I, like I'm really excited about this guy. And so I'm like looking forward to seeing him and he's wrestling almost every week. And he's somebody like, I encourage anybody listening to this and you too as well, like check out his matches. Like, I think this guy's going to be a star. Um, and, uh, I think like the disability might actually work in his favor, like where he could get some momentum behind him and people could have sympathy for him and he can be like that person that people rally around and, uh, and he, and it's being handled in a way that is very un WWE like, um, you know, where they're actually using the disability to like promote like a feel good story. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, that, that's my guilty pleasure for the week. Oh, very cool to hear like that a lot. So Zordon your picks this week for guilty pleasure and afford at all costs if you're still there at the command center. Alpha 5, can you close up shop for me? I got to gotta do one more thing. Um, my avoid at all costs this week is uh, definitely going to be, God, please, please avoid at all costs watching Legato lose for no reason. For no reason. Just don't watch that. There's no reason to watch that because just that we can all just pretend it didn't happen. Why? Why are they losing? It just just pisses me off. Um, now my guilty pleasure, I, I you know, I, I'm kind of torn on it because I actually kind of enjoyed our truth this week. I, I thought he really, I I I thought he was great. He brought a smile to my face. He brings a smile to my face whenever I don't see him weekly. You know, and he's a, you know, once every now, but to Paul's point, he's, he says on main event all the time and I don't watch that all the time. So that's fair. So I won't use him. Wesley cut a great, great promo. Um, I thought real heartfelt by winning the title. I think it's a, a nice promo that kind of shows he might, I, he might have something. He might be a little bit more than what I thought he was. I didn't, I think I wouldn't expect him to win the title to be honest with him. Now that he's got it. He's, Carried himself, great promo. I thought Grayson Waller was good, and even our truth again. I thought he was good. So I, that whole segment, I thought was was really good. And Wesley, I thought really impressed. Definitely stood out in a good way. Yes, and the fans were respectful. I'm glad they love him because you know we went through a stretch of what the hell is going on there at the PC. Right. right. But the love was very reciprocal, and I greatly appreciated that. My guilty pleasure will be our truth this week because he was funny 
on Raw and NXT when he came out to say to The Miz, I am the truth. Here I am. What's up? <laughs> You're like, okay. Very blunt. I did laugh at that. Johnny did not make that segment better, but our truth was God, great. Johnny, he was just the worst. Tell the truth. <laughs> Like, please, our truth made that segment. And then on NXT, when he thought that Halloween Havoc was Tuesday, and in some way, technically it could have been if they adhered to the show being on USA. So he wasn't that far off that he celebrated with Wesley. He's like, oh, dog, you won? Congratulations. Hey. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Yeah. Even though he sees it with the title the whole time. Yeah. He couldn't believe it. It registered like, oh, wow, you won. Hey, Grayson, what about you? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he start, He was talking in his accent too. He was talking in a British yeah. accent. Yeah, like, Grace, I'm Australian. He's I'm Australian. The crowd's like, no, no you're, you're not. not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so great. That's our truth at his best. Just being a clown for all of the right reasons. When he's like used appropriately in segments like this, the avoid at all costs. The Miz in his knee. I already talked about it. Just terrible stuff. I feel for him because he's regressed a lot in the ring and his feud with Exo Loomis sucks and Johnny wrestling trying to be a comedian is not it. Trash all of that for Monday Night Raw because it was simply not good. And with that, this wraps up a very well-rounded, cultured, pop culture referenced edition of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I want to thank the noted Ring of Honor historian, Paul Fontaine, Daddy Ass, Scissor Me Grandpa, and we got Zordon popping in. We got Salty, Perky, Tipsy, Pissed Off, Scott Young joining us from the command center. So thank you guys for joining me this week to chop it up. All things WWE. Well, I'm not thankful to be here. I caught a lot of shots. I'm probably going to get demoted post-production. But Keela, I'll be back next week. It's always a pleasure to chop it up. Uh, Grandpa Des, love talking to you. Love your perspective. And um, yeah, look forward to next time. Yeah, I got to get off to a white wedding. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, can I come? Because I got I got a half, <laughs> half of me is ready to go crazy. Paul, save the ammunition for the end of this show. The final <laughs> the final shot sent Scott's way. It's a good... He ain't like that I took that shot at him earlier when I called him my elder. <laughs> I just had that sitting in my uh, sitting in the in chamber. holster. <laughs> Fired off the chamber and says, I got his ass just before we go off the air. It is a good day. I love you too. I love you guys. We love you too, Paul. It's always yes. a blast having you here. And we will be back next week, Scott and I, covering Crown Jewel. It'll be a late night release, early Sunday morning, covering the fallout in Saudi Arabia. We got the rundown for you right here on the Fike Media Network for self, so for myself, for Paul, and for all iterations of Scott, the real Wyatt Six. That's a wrap on all things WWE. Have a great week. Take care.